Welcome to The Long Way Around. I'm your host, Malcolm Byrne. This is Radio Kingston. And I uh, just want to send a special shout-out to Teokasen. Sending good, sending good vibes and good love and positive energy your way, brother. And uh, that track that we were just listening to, which is a track called Norupu by uh, group Hailung, and it's from the album Fusa, and it's uh, on the label Season of Mist. So uh, if you were wondering what that track was, that's what we was listening to. So we have uh, in the studio a very special guest. And before I turn on the microphone, um, let me tell you a little bit about him. It's kind of a last-minute booking, but a good one. Um, Lowell Handler is a photographer, filmmaker, and author whose pictures have appeared in Life, Newsweek, L Magazine, U.S. News, and so forth. And Handler served as associate producer, narrator, presenter, co-writer, and photographer for the Emmy-nominated PBS documentary Twitch and Shout, which won the San Francisco International Film Festival and screened at the Museum of Modern Art in New York. Lowell also wrote a memoir of the same name about his life with Tourette's syndrome. He has directed two short documentary films, Terra Fu and Her Children, and Bernardo and Veronica and Reese released an ebook, Crazy and Proud, that includes a video he produced. Lowell, welcome. How are you? How are you? Howdy. Hi. Howdy. How, how? You don't hear much howdy anymore, do you? Not too much. I'd say, I, maybe it's because I'm wearing these Western boots. I, yeah. <laughs> I had to say. Or oh, the 10 gallon hat. Or the 10 gallon <laughs> I got a five gallon. No, you hear it I'm, out West. You hear it out West. No, I'm from Canada. It's a, it's a yeah. 16 liter gallon hat. You know, in Utah, they say yeehaw. Yeehaw, do they? Yeehaw, yeah, in Utah. Anyway, Lowell, um, it's good to have you on the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So you're you're a local fellow, right? You live over in Rhinecliff. Rhinecliff, yes. But you grew up in, well, we were just discussing this before we came on. I grew up in Westchester County, mostly, yeah. Uh Uh-huh. And, um, well, just to cut to the chase, uh, Lowell, uh, tell me about your specific malediction, if you will. My malediction? <laughs> your, your, <laughs> your lifelong challenge with cussing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I make all kinds of noises. I say all kinds of things. Sometimes I curse, but um, mostly I just blurt out things you know, and, that and, are they're kind of uncontrollable. Uh, and most of that is, well, all of it is because I have Tourette's syndrome, which right. is not only... Uh, visual is because it's a movement disorder and it involves the whole body visually uh, physiologically Mm. but it also involves a lot of vocal things like blurting out motherfucker or uh, anything really that uh, is the most forbidden thing to say at the time because it's the thing that we want to inhibit the most that we want to inhibit the most and it's what inevitably comes out and is blurted out. And that has to do with a mechanism in the brain which controls and regulates inhibition. Not only inhibition of movement and body movement, but also the inhibition of language and noise and sounds. And you, um, I mean, you've done an incredible, bo- I've been researching, I mean, I already knew something about your work, but you, you, you've you done some incredible work. I mean, you, the, the film Terra Fu and her children, I mean, that, that was filmed 
in in Israel in 2015 yeah and it's now being it's on YouTube you, it's on YouTube for free it's being distributed by WGBH which is the public television station in Boston yeah i filmed it in uh, we filmed it in Israel in 2015 and it's a family that i reunited with because you had been photo photographing Right, that I had photographed them coming from a remote part of Ethiopia, Ethiopian Jews, from Ethiopia to Israel, and I photographed them doing that in 1992, mm -hmm. and then I had to find them with the help of the Israeli government and reunite with them in 2015 to make the movie. Yeah, yeah it's very moving. I mean, and it, what's interesting uh, in that film, you know, each, each of the children almost chronologically in age have different viewpoints about you know their the, identity, the older ones about yeah, their identity you know the, the, the oldest son talks about how you know he misses a bit of the sense of community that yes in you know living in ethiopia in ethiopia whereas you know living in tel aviv or whatever yeah they're in know, a suburb of tel aviv you know, everybody's right. sort of doing their own you don't even know your neighbors you know right you know, he said you live next to somebody for 15 years and you don't even know who they are yeah and then one of the younger the daughter she's very much more one of the daughters she's much more comfortable she's like i'm you know this is where i'm from I, uh, you know i'm israeli right israeli, when so. i photographed them in 1992 they were all tiny children and uh so I'm, I met with them, you know, 20 some odd years later, came back into their lives. And it's very, it's hard to do that. And it's, it's, it's difficult. And you see, you don't realize what people go through. 20 years is a lot, some odd years is a long time. It's a whole life for some people. Yeah. And just, just for people who are listening, if you want to see any of the work that we're discussing, you can go to Lowell Handler, that's LowellHandler.com. Uh, handler spell h-a-n-d-l-e-r and uh, you you've got a real good website here which has, 40 years of photographs and the photography is incredible i mean i i Thank you. i don't talk about this much but i'm a bit of an avid photographer myself and uh, i certainly recognize that kind of photography i mean that's kind of my I, i'm not much for the uh, the posed Right. Know, set up shot i'm i you know i always think that the, the most beautiful pictures are you know like that carchet bresson yes. photograph where the guy's running and you know he's spontaneous you know and he's 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 just right. caught in that mid-air yes, moment that's a famous photograph and, and it, it happens in a split second and you think well where yeah. was he going where did he come from what happened next you know right but yeah the, the way you've and, and some of your uh street photography i mean currently you're working on uh a series of photographs with street people in Poughkeepsie, is that correct? Yeah, right now I'm trying to make a documentary film and photographs about homeless people in Poughkeepsie. And I've been doing it for the last two years with the help of Hudson River Housing, which is a non-profit there in Poughkeepsie that uh, gives them a lot of services and a lot of support. And I just think it's a huge national problem because... Uh, the statistics from 2020 are that there are well over 580,000 homeless people right now in this country. And when you think of the fact that it's the richest country on the face of the planet, and there are well over half a million homeless people here, it's pretty incredible. Yeah, and that's probably a conservative estimate, I should that's think. That's from housing and urban development. Right, so we could probably add another yes. 100,000 yeah. to that, yeah. you know, just because some people just aren't on the radar, you know. They're completely, they're 
hiding in plain sight. And Poughkeepsie is unique for two reasons. One is it's above the national average of homelessness. And two, it houses the only overnight shelter in Dutchess County. Really? The only overnight shelter in Dutchess County, which is run by Hudson River Housing. Well, good on them, eh? I mean, you know. Yeah, it's uh, homelessness is something that people don't, you know, it's almost... Well, mental illness and homelessness, I suppose they do kind of go together on a certain level. The majority of homeless people are mentally ill. And, and that's often the cause or adds to the cause of homelessness, yes. Yeah. And, yeah, people tend to uh, kind of look through or beyond, you know, if there's a homeless person, you know, you just sort of... Well, they look away. You know, don't look in their eyes, you yeah. know, unless you're going to give them the person some money but then there's always a yeah i forgive them you know a dollar they'll go out and buy some country roads apple wine or something <laughs> yeah they do they do yeah i mean most of them are alcoholic and substance abusers or drug abusers yeah well that's i suppose a, res a response to some people for example uh um gabor mate i don't know if you're familiar with him he runs a clinic up in vancouver uh, bc and he's a psychologist but he he bases all his theories on the idea that almost all drug addiction and any kind of addiction is, is rooted in some form of trauma. Yes, I can understand that. Yeah. Some people argue against that. Some people support. Yeah. I, I tend to agree. You know, I think. Well, there's some kind of emotional trauma, yeah. Or abuse or yeah. whatever. So um, you've been struggling uh, recently. Well, you have an ongoing court case, and I'd like to... To, to get into that with you. Yes, I have a case now. Uh, I'm suing Dutchess Community College. Uh, it has been going on now for the last, for more than two years now. And I am just so angry about it because uh, they will not settle the case. And we're going to have to take them to a civil federal court in White Plains because... It's, well, we're suing them on the basis of the ADA, the American with Disabilities Act. I worked at Dutchess Community College as a professor for 20 years, and I never had a problem until my final time there. You want to hear the story? All of it. Okay. I was teaching there. I taught there for 19 years without any incident, and then I was in the classroom one day, and it was exactly halfway through the semester. It was midterms. It was halfway through the semester. And there were about half a dozen people around the desk after the end of the class. And there was a, a young woman, I think she was a kid, 19 years old at the time. And I said, you know, you've missed half the classes that we've had this semester. And I said, if you keep doing that, you're just going to fail the class. And she said, well, I've been very busy. Mm. And I reached out and touched her side, you know, because I touch people. It's I mean, it's one of, of my it's, symptoms, it's part of Tourette's symptoms. I touch their side, I touch their shoulder, I touch them, or I touch inanimate objects, desks, chairs, windows, anything that's around. Yeah, I mean, I've seen you do it a few times. I do it right here in the studio, but I'm trying not to. I mean, I can try not to. I can try to control it, and I can control it to a certain extent. But beyond that, 
It's involuntary. Like if I say to you, don't blink your eyes, that's medically, physiologically considered involuntary. So you cannot blink your eyes for a couple of minutes, right? Probably. But then you're going to blink them even more afterwards. It's the same yeah. thing. Or like a sneeze. Or like a sneeze. But I touched her, and so the next day, I get a call from the HR director telling me that there was a complaint that this student, whose name was Grace... She said that I touched her vagina. And I'm like, holy shit, what the hell is going on? You know? So then they put me on uh, administrative leave with full pay and told me not to come back. And she got with her best friend, or who she told me was her best friend, from... The last year or the last semester, whose name was Jessica, who said she didn't like me touching her either, and they filed a formal complaint saying that I was sexually harassing them. There was nothing sexual about it. And can I can I ask you one question? Yeah. Um, I mean, you you're te- you you were teaching at the at the photography. Okay, and and you you've been there for like almost two decades, twenty years, yeah. right? So, would the students have been? For example, I told all of them they, at the beginning so of they, every semester. By the way, I have by the way, I touch things, I touch objects, I touch people, I say things, I blurt out things, I say motherfucker, I have all the symptoms of it. And I also sometimes showed the movie Twitch and Shout, the one that you mentioned that was Emmy-nominated from 1996 at the beginning of the semester. And I also explained that I have Tourette at the beginning of the semester, but they didn't give a shit. So I said to the HR director, that's ridiculous. I didn't touch her vagina. So she got with her best friend, and then what they had at the college was they had a series of two different tribunals for me. Sounds hellish. Oh, my God. And I had to have an attorney. I have an attorney who's literally like the Hudson Valley version of William Kunstler. Do you remember William Kunstler, the attorney? Yeah. He's like William Kunstler, but without the hairdo. (laughs) Without the hairdo. And he's a brilliant attorney. And on Friday, at the end of the day, two days ago, he had a $3.2 million award against the New York State Police that was granted to him by a jury in that court. So he's so he's a good lawyer. He's a very good lawyer, and he's a graduate of Harvard Law School. And, and why did he take on your case? Well, he said this is, it's not sexual harassment. He said they're discriminated against you because of the symptoms, the manifestations of your disability. Hmm. And so what happened was... The tribunals met, and a few weeks later, a couple of weeks later, two or three weeks later, and they told me that the student, Grace, said that it wasn't her vagina. She changed her story. She changed her story. Now, sorry, what year was this again? This was two years ago. Okay, so... This was two years ago. So she said then, then all of a sudden, it wasn't her vagina. And then everything after that collapsed, because a few months after that, the president left the college and moved to California, the woman who was president of the college at the time, 
the HR director dropped dead at age 54, and nobody is left there now from when I was there two years ago except one dean. Mm -hmm. One dean, the dean, is still left there. And it's just unbelievable because uh, what happened because of that was the HR director and the president told me that if I didn't retire and leave the job, three years early, by the way, three years before I had expected to and planned to, that they would detenure me and fire me. Mm. So I had to leave. The college now says I left of my own free will. Nobody forced well, me to leave. Sounds like they're trying to cover their tracks. Oh, ridiculous. Bit, you know? Just, I mean, they're such fuckers, it's unbelievable. And so what happened was I had to leave three years early. I retired. And it ruined my life emotionally for years. And financially, I'm out, I'm out $500,000 from salary and benefits, not including any emotional damages. Right, which is, yeah. Which, the, which my lawyer added on to the demand for a settlement. Yeah, and like how do you even quantify? Oh, I had nightmares, I had dreams, I, I had to, I've been seeing a therapist. It, it's, uh, you know... I mean, 2019, when you think back... About and it was before COVID, because of the touching, I wanted to emphasize that. It was pre, totally pre, before pre, pre anything COVID, right? with COVID happened. So it couldn't have been, oh, you know, I, you know, COVID. But, uh, you know, the other thing I was going to say is that I wonder, you know, that was 2018. It was 2019 into 2000, and then I officially retired in February 2020. Mm-hmm. Was my, but I was on administrative leave all the months from 2019 until February 2020. And I had to retire because that's what the president and the HR director told me, that they would detenure me and remove me from the job. Mm. And three years early, I, I had to take way less money in Social Security. And I was out the $500,000 from salary and benefits. I mean, it's it's seems clear from what you're saying that it's a case of discrimination um you know especially given the fact that you know the students were aware you know like if, if <laughs> you just walked into a class and they didn't tell you right. you know you'd be like oh what's going on but you know if you if you're you know if you know that that's the case maybe they didn't believe me <laughs> well the other thing I'm, i was i've been sort of meaning to say is that you know it was just sort of at that peak of the whole Me Too yes. period where, I, I don't mean to, I don't, like, I know that there's plenty of valid, absolutely. I think it's cases. a valid movement, but it wasn't valid for me. But, you know. It's you, abused. You, you sort of wonder, like, maybe this was somebody sort of being so, slightly swept up in the moment. Oh, absolutely. It was at the height of it. It was at the height of it. Yeah. I won't go too far with what I think about it, because I'll probably lose my job, but, you know. Um, no, I mean, I think it's a legitimate, it's a legitimate issue. You know, you can see things turning into a bit of a witch hunt occasionally. But do you know what really gets long. me is that months before this happened, or a year before this happened, they paraded me around like some kind of a token gimp. They had me speak in front of the entire professional staff, hundreds of people in the auditorium, stand up and say that I had Tourette syndrome and how I've been there anyway and how I'm at Dutchess Community College 
And then a few months later or a year later, after this incident happened, they instantly treated me like a serial rapist. They treated me like Harvey Weinstein or Bill Cosby. And the irony is I didn't do anything. I didn't kiss anybody. I didn't make out with anybody. I didn't fuck anybody. I didn't date anybody. I didn't do anything except say some really outrageous things. But I didn't do anything. And they treated me like Harvey Weinstein or Bill Cosby, like I was a, as if I were a serial rapist. Well, yeah, sometimes you just don't know. I mean, it's, you know, people... It's just, unbelievable. Yeah. And it's all because of politics and what's going on. Yeah. We have to go to uh, public service announcements. At, so we'll be right back with Lowell Handler. Stay tuned, and uh, we'll be back in about, I don't know, two and a half minutes. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Captain Chris Hyatt from the Kingston Fire Department. I'm also the Director of Emergency Medical Services. We're excited to announce that we've recently expanded beyond our basic CPR program. We offer traditional CPR for medical professionals, but if you're not a medical professional, we now have programming for you too. We're offering a community CPR program with first aid, a wilderness first aid course that meets the criteria for Boy Scouts of America, and a child care and babysitting course for young adults who are starting out and taking care of kids. Classes are offered monthly, and if you'd like to register, you can do that on our Facebook page, City of Kingston Fire Department. The universe began with a sound. Hi, I'm Jaguar Mary X. Join me for Midnight Medicine Journey, three nights a week. It's a radical space for recreating oneself. It's a ceremony of evolutionary transformation. We're playing music, listening to poetry from the ancestors like Toni Morrison, Lucille Clifton, and James Baldwin. There'll be interviews and guests. That's Midnight Medicine Journey with me, Jaguar Mary X, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday nights from midnight till 2 a.m. Here on Radio Kingston, AM 1490, FM 1079, and anytime at RadioKingston.org. And now for something completely different, a man with three buttocks. No, just kidding. <clears throat> Bardavon presents the Resistance Revival Chorus, celebrating Juneteenth, Saturday, June 18th, at the Old Dutch Church. The Resistance Revival Chorus is a traveling chorus of more than 60 women and non-binary folks who combine the art of music with political action designed to empower and uplift those of marginalized gender. Tickets start at $30 and can be purchased at the UPAC box office or online. Concert attendees must wear a mask at all times except when eating and drinking. The Resistance Revival Chorus, celebrating Juneteenth, Saturday, June 18th at 7 p.m. at the Old Dutch Church, 272 Wall Street in Uptown Kingston. For tickets or more information, visit bardavon.org. That's bardavon.org. You know, <laughs> uh, just if you're just joining me, I have in the studio in front of me a, an actual breathing, living, breathing human being, Lowell Handler. And Lowell has been discussing we've been discussing his um his issues uh, um with uh, being what would you call it? persecuted i mean it sounds like persecution persecuted because of uh, because of a, a, a affliction or whatever you want to call it what is threat it's an affliction i mean it is a disability but it's also a uh, 
an other way of existing. It's a difference. It's, uh, you know what Oliver Sacks used to say to me? Oliver Sacks, the great neurologist. Well, let's talk about Oliver a little bit because you've been working with him. And for right. those, he for was a neurologist and he was a best-selling author of neurological clinical tales. He used to say to me, just tell people when they ask you that you're neuropsychologically different. <laughs> and I said to myself, oh shit, that's really going to explain it, Oliver. <laughs> but that's what he said. He's tell people when they ask or you're telling them, tell them that you're psycho, that you're neuropsychologically different. Uh -huh. Okay, neuropsychologically different. So, so if you went to a party and people didn't know you or anything, you'd, you'd say, I'd say oh, I'm, I'm, I'm Lowell Handler and I'm... <laughs> neuropsychologically, then I'd say, fuck you. <laughs> but I won't touch your butt. I'm not going to touch your vagina, don't but worry. But I'm not going to touch your vagina. No, I've never touched anybody's vagina. Never in my whole life. Well, not Certainly not out of ill intent, I'm No, sure. no. Um, I mean, at what age did you... Probably your parents must have noticed. Oh, yeah. My symptoms started when I was around seven. But the interesting thing, and what I talk about in my memoir that you mentioned, also called Twitch and Shout, which, by the way, is still in print and on Amazon used for $2. Uh, <laughs> uh, I talk about the fact that I wasn't diagnosed and had no name for it until I was 24 years old. Wow. So until I was 24 years old, an adult really almost, uh, I had no idea of what it was or what, wh why I did these things or or that other people had it, hundreds of others, thousands of other people in the country have it. Uh, Billie Eilish has it. I was just watching the interview that uh, David Letterman did with her the other day. She has Tourette's syndrome. Huh. And there are all kinds of people who've had Tourette's syndrome, like Samuel Johnson, the man who authored the first English language dictionary. Well, there, there's mounting evidence that Mozart had Tourette's. Oliver wrote about uh, the fact that he thought Mozart had Tourette's. In fact, before I think, it was discovered. Yeah, I think yeah. I might have read that. That's probably where I got that. Yeah, yeah. From, just from reading letters and so forth, he makes various references to, you know, private parts and fecal matter and so forth. <laughs> yeah. yeah. In between writing symphonies and concertos. Right. right. <laughs> or maybe even while writing symphonies. <laughs> Probably during I'm, performing them. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so, so I can only imagine, like, if you're in in high school, for example. Oh, high school was horrible. I mean, I used to do all kinds of crazy shit, and you know, people would bully me. They'd punch me. They'd make fun of me, all kinds of stuff, all through high school, junior high school, elementary school, all of it, because you, there's no explanation. You, I couldn't say. I have Tourette, leave me, you know. I just got back from a Tourette conference, national Tourette conference that they have in person every two years. This year it was in Minneapolis. It just ended two weeks ago. And there were 300 of us there with Tourette syndrome from all over the country. And it was a fabulous experience. Did you feel sort of like with 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 your people in a certain with my my people, people. <laughs> liberated liberated <laughs> probably want to look at that guy i thought yeah. i had a bad I mean, of course, we we he's trashed, upside down we trashed the, the hotel <laughs> we trashed the hotel we threw everything around we threw shit out the window called all the staff people motherfuckers yeah. <laughs> i hope they have good insurance <laughs> 
<laughs> I can see it. it. It sounds like a it sounds like a film script, yeah, or a TV show yeah. or something. I don't know. Reality TV. Yeah, but do, do you think that? Um, I mean, I'm going to surmise here. I mean, f you know, for example, like one, a, a great example of someone who their their quote disability clearly. I mean, Stevie Wonder. You know. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, Does he have to write? No, but <laughs> he might. I don't know. He, but as far well, as I know, he's blind. Well, he's blind, but you know, it's, one one sort of can can easily surmise that you know what you lose with one thing, you make up for with another. Like, That's right. You know, so for him, you know, his advanced advanced abilities musically and harmonically, right. maybe from not having one thing. So what I'm trying to get at is, um, do you think that because of your condition i mean you've done when did you start i mean you've been done such incredible work <laughs> it's, well i've know, done it for a very long time i started when i was about i started photographing when i was about 14 or 15 so the stuff on the website is 40 about 40 years worth of material uh and i haven't stopped i have things that i'm doing in a couple of weeks somewhere i'm going and i'm going to be photographing a whole new body of work but Yes, I mean, Chris Jackson, in the movie Twitch and Shout, which was on PBS so many years ago, he later changed his name to Mahmoud Abdul Rauf when he became a Muslim. But he said in the movie that he read in the Quran, he thought it was, that God gives you something that's like a handicap, but he get, God gives you a strength to make up for it. So he said that his part of his problem is he has Tourette syndrome, but God gave him basketball. He was an NBA basketball player with Tourette syndrome. God gave him basketball as his strength, and he ended up being the free throw champion of the NBA for a couple of years, and he had like a multi million dollar NBA contract. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, well, but still, I mean, to go through what you describe especially when you're young like in you know even myself in high school you know it was always tough you know not being quote normal you know because i i was a bit of a nerd mm. and i didn't quite fit the bill you know and but you're so, not normal you're saying you're not normal well i i mean <laughs> what the hell is normal anyways like what like, is it i'm not geez normal. i'd be scared to I'd be I'd be worried if I was normal. I, I think normal yeah. people are weird, personally. But that's just yeah. me, yeah. you know. Well, think, you can be too normal. Some people are in quotes too normal. Well, some people are are so normal they're just weird. Yeah. Some people are so yeah. weird they're normal. I don't know, but yeah, I mean, going through that must have been. It was tough. Yeah, it was tough. <laughs> and I had no idea what it was. I had no idea till I was 24. I went to see a psychiatrist and he said, you've got Tourette's syndrome. And I said, what the hell is it? You think, is it going to kill me? That's what they first think. Is it going to kill me? Or what is it? What's going to happen? And to did me? you feel a little bit vindicated or liberated by knowing? That? I felt like, thank God, I'm not the only one who has it. And there are people everywhere who have it. And, and, and just for people, I mean... I'm sure most people who are listening know, you know, generally what Tourette syndrome is, but it doesn't. It's not just verbal, right? It can be all no. Kinds it's of, all kinds of ticks. Involuntary movements are called ticks. Now, what's the difference between Tourette and some 
say OCD, like obsessive compulsive disorder? Is there well, is there's there a, a difference. There is a difference, but half of the people, including myself, who have Tourette, have some form of obsessive compulsive disorder. I have aspects of that also, like the touching, or OCD, or obsessive compulsive aspects. Some people can't stand to be touched at all. Can't mm-hmm. be touched by anybody or anything. If they brush up against something, they go crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a form of OCD also. But 50% of everybody with Tourette syndrome has some form of OCD. Now, obviously, you can have OCD and not have Tourette at all. But most people have both. Mm-hmm. And so when you did find out, that, like when you finally got a diagnosis, like a clinical diagnosis, what, it's not something that can be, you, you can't like take a pill to stop being... Well, I do. I do take medication, and I've been taking it every day since 1980 when I was diagnosed. But it's not a magic pill. It doesn't cure you. It doesn't make it disappear. How many things are really curable? It's not curable. It's incurable. But you can help it. With but I, I don't mean to say that it's curable. But like learning how to like to live with it, right? You have to learn to live with it. You have to embrace it, and you have to learn to live with it. Not only in spite of it, but also to embrace it and live with it because it's a part of you. It's a part of your personality. It's like a root that grows in a tree around the pavement. It still grows with a detour, but it still thrives. Well, that's a beautiful way of putting it, actually. (laughs) You know, have you ever seen a tree root that's like around a pavement or some kind of... There's one, there used to be one right there. Or some them. kind of fire hydrant or some kind of other man-made thing. The tree survives and it thrives, but the root well, has to adapt itself. How about like a tree when you yes. see it? Yes, right, it's, like it's, a V. It's split like off because of the yeah. telephone pole with a wire going right. through it or right. something. You have to adapt to the, to the circumstances. Interesting. Hmm. Well... Twist and twitch and shout, twist and shout, twitch and shout, uh, tw- not twist. twist. I know, twitch. I know. I was just funny with you. I'm a twitcher. <laughs> You're a twitcher. I'm a twitcher. But um, seeing as you know the show, well, it used to be anyway. This is mostly a music show, but I, I did ask you to to put together a list of some music that we could play while you're here. I don't know if we're going to get through all of it, but um, I you, you you sent me a list of songs and. Uh, Tell me about your experiences in New Orleans. Oh, New Orleans was incredible because the music, you know, the whole city really revolves around music and alcohol and seafood. And I have to say, I like all those things. (laughs) And uh, I was there between 1978 and 1979, and I was telling you over the phone that I used to go to the Maple Leaf Bar, which is still there. I know it well. And I used to see James Booker play every week, the same night. I forget which night of the week it was because it was so long ago. But every week, the same night, he was there playing. (laughs) And at that time, in 1978-79, there were washers and dryers in the back of the Maple Leaf Bar. Did you know that? I didn't know that it used to be a laundromat. No, well, it wasn't a laundromat, but you could do your laundry while you got shit faced. You could do your you could do your laundry (laughs) while you were at the bar. For for people who don't know, I mean, having been actually able to see James Booker's, it's kind of like for for a Christian, like be the equivalent of having been present at the Sermon on the Mount or something. 
Well, he was unbelievable, you know, rhythm and blues, boogie-woogie piano player. And a lot of people who, even musicians sometimes, people say, oh, I'm a musician and I, a piano player. And I said to them recently, do you know James? They didn't know who James Booker was. I have to say, when I, you know, because I, I went down to New Orleans, uh, 1988. So the first, well, it wasn't the first time I've been so there. So 10 years after I was there. I, I went down there to work, and, and the name James Booker co constantly would come up. And I was like, who's this guy, James Booker? Who's this? I'd never heard of James Booker until right. I was in New Orleans, right. you know, working with... Well, he was famous locally, but he he wasn't like a... The same thing with Professor Longhair. The same thing with Professor Longhair, who I credit actually as inventing rock and roll, Professor Longhair. Yeah, I mean, between sort of Fess and Ern Ernie Cado and... A few other people, you know. But uh, let's play some James Booker. This is um, Something Got You. It's a live recording. Oh, fabulous. I just want to send that out to my wife. We just celebrated our 20th wedding anniversary, and I know that Jane is listening tonight, so that's for her. Well, congratulations to you. Well done. I just, I thought this, what, what do you get for? Do you get a? Do you get a? Do you get a medal? 
for doing that? A medal. Yeah. <laughs> a medal. No, I think I don't think I don't think she knows James Booker's music. I don't know if she knows it, but there she there it is. Well, now you do. And it's gorgeous piano playing, isn't it? That's yeah, amazing. Do you remember the um, the Dr. John quote about uh, James Booker? He said he was the best one-eyed gay junkie piano player he ever. Oh met. yeah, I remember that quote. <laughs> <laughs> old, old Mac Rebenack had a way with words. All right, we're gonna go to another break, and we'll be right back with you. So stay tuned. Hi, I'm Margie from the Kingston Library. So much of our daily living is online. Everyday tasks from getting news and information to accessing educational opportunities and finding information for your next career move. But if you're one of the many people that can't access these things for reasons like disabilities, learning difficulties, visual impairments, or speaking English as a second language, navigating the online world can be a challenge. Everyone deserves an inclusive online experience, and the Kingston Library has one. Thanks to support from the Ulster County Legislature, we now provide accessibility tools on our website. There are now many ways to tailor the website so that it works for you in the best possible way. You can adjust all the areas of the page, including text, graphics, language, and navigation. Just click Accessibility and Languages at kingstonlibrary.org. Radio Kingston. Many voices. Muchas voces. Many voices. One community. Hi, everybody. I'm Warren Lawrence. And this is Manuel Blas. Join us every weekday during the noon hour for Lunchbox Oldies. We will play the best from the 60s and the 70s. And remember to call for your requests. And every day we feature the Lunchbox Lyric Contest. Name this song and you will win some great prizes. That's Lunchbox Oldies every noon hour, Monday through Friday. With me, Manuel. And me, Warren. Here on Radio Kingston. AM 1490, FM 1079, anytime on RadioKingston.org. Hey, we're back on the radio. I've got my guest. He's, he's chained to the chair. He's not allowed to leave for another 15 minutes. Lowell Handler. Hi, Lowell. I'm here. <laughs> well, um, thanks for for uh, for putting that song on the list. It put me in a really good mood. I don't know. It's it's gorgeous piano playing. You know, some of his improvisations. Uh, um, James Booker, that is. Uh, you know, he, he, where he would do like he, he, it's unbelievable. Like, oh yeah, know, he would just totally go off on a tangent for like ten minutes, fifteen minutes. Like, yeah. like I I I thought of a another track I'll play in the second hour. It's a it's called um, Minuet and something or other it's it's about a seven minute piece where he just starts off and then he just improvises for about five minutes and it's like okay this guy is not fooling around like he no, he's unbelievable like he could he could play he classical. played that thing like he, unbelievably you know he could, he could play classical you know uh and just anyway um so uh you you said your work you have a project that you're getting ready to do yeah well actually i what I'm doing now, I wanted to just get this in before we go, because I'm directing or trying to direct three new films now. One of them I mentioned already was The Homeless, the big thing on homeless people in Poughkeepsie. But I'm trying to put forward two other films now at the same time. One is like a 360-degree view of the whole immigration issue. Uh -huh. And I have one of the leaders of the Proud Boys speaking in it, who's now in jail for his role in the insurgents at the Capitol. What's his name? His name is Joe Biggs. And he's in the film. He's in a, a short 10-minute sizzle reel that I put together with uh, Hutsey TV, which is a fabulous cooperative of filmmakers here in the Hudson Valley, Hutsey TV. 
and they're launching their new app June 1st. Um, but he speaks in the film, and I also have Trump supporters speaking in the film, and also a very left-wing progressive guy speaking in the film. So it's like a 360-degree view mm. of the whole immigration issue. But I'm also going to have some of the really, really extremely right-wing, alt-right, white supremacists and neo-Nazis speaking in the film. And that's how it's going to be different than the others that have been done on the same subject. And the third film I'm working on is a... Not really a sequel, but kind of an updated thing to Twitch and Shout from 1996, where I want to do a new film about Tourette Syndrome, and I want to interview four different people, a couple of men, a couple of women, who have Tourette Syndrome, who are young, in their 20s and 30s, and struggling with it and living with it now. And it's going to be a new thing on that, and we actually started filming at the conference that I mentioned in Minneapolis. I interviewed two people, uh, a jazz musician with Tourette named Michael Wolf, who, by the way, you talk about improvisation with uh, James Booker. Michael Wolf is a jazz musician who likened his improvisation to some of his Tourette. And he was the leader of the Arsenio Hall band on Arsenio Hall show for years. Mm. And he didn't even realize he had Tourette till he was in his 30s. I also interviewed a trans woman with Tourette. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 I, I, you know, it's funny because, like, when I was, I was thinking about that, how you explain like an urge like that, irresistible urge, irresistible, and you know, I, I think for, if if for somebody who may not be able to relate to it, imagine, I, I, I think a lot of people have had this feeling where, like, let's say you're standing the edge of the Grand Canyon or at the top, the edge of Niagara Falls and you're standing there and, and you're you like, want to jump. And there's you that weird jumping, feeling. Right. Like I want, you know, this bizarre urge to like, what would it be, you know? Right. But the difference between, you know, yourself and say me, for example, is, okay, you're not going to jump off Niagara Falls, but you, you, it comes out and it's... Just, right, no. And, it's, uh, and somebody else with Tourette who I talked to recently who's a, a, a former... Uh, television executive out in Los Angeles said he compared it to holding somebody down and tickling them with feathers and not then telling them that they can't, can't laugh. move or laugh or anything. Yeah. yeah, it's good to try and put it into those relatable kind of metaphors because mm -hmm. I, I think people, <clears throat> I think like a lot of things, but I, th I think, you know, gen average people are like, what? What do you mean? Like I don't, I don't, I don't understand that. But we right. all have that, right? I think it's yeah, all. Yeah. We all. It's all just. You know, it's just for certain individuals. It's Oliver Sacks. I mean, he he. Wow. And you you. We traveled together for years here yeah, through the U.S., Europe, Canada. And how did you get to to connected with with Oliver? Well, I just, his his number at the time. He was living on City Island, which is a little oh, yeah, maritime community well, in New York, in the off the coast of the Bronx. And his num name, number was listed in the phone book. So I just called him up. And I had just finished photographing a story for Life magazine, which at the time was a monthly. And it was 1986. And the man who mistook his wife for a hat, his first huge bestseller, had just become a bestseller. It had come out the year before. And I called him up and I said, I'm the only one photographing this. And you're the only one writing about it. And I have it. 
we should meet up. And he said, yes. And in a couple of weeks, I went down there to his home on City Island, and I met him and his assistant, Kate, who's now the director of the Oliver Sacks Foundation. Mm -hmm. And I've known him, I mean, I knew Oliver for the rest of his life. And I still am good friends with Kate, mm -hmm. who's running the whole show now. Yeah, what a what a guy! Like what a well, career. he wrote. What a people probably who don't know who he is probably know him as the person who wrote the book Awakenings that the movie is based on. And Robin Williams played Oliver in the movie, and De Niro played the patient. Ah, there you go. That's something that came out in 1991. The I'm movie, sure. great yeah. great movie. That was very popular. Great movie, film. and Penny Marshall directed it. Rob Reiner's wife. Surely from... <laughs> no, so, right now, so the new project that I'm doing, I'm leaving in uh, two and a half weeks, and I'm going down to North Carolina, and I'll be photographing a Native American tribe called the Lumbee Tribe, L-U-M-B-E-E, -E, and they're the largest tribe east of the Mississippi River. And I'm going to be photographing their lives and their celebrations and their pageants and everything else and i'm just doing it because i got invited to do it and i think it would be a great thing to do yeah i mean geez you could you could be on first voices well they're not recognized by the federal government they're recognized by the state of north carolina but they're as they're not of recognized, now, not as recognized by, by the federal government which is true of many of the native american tribes and i didn't realize this until i started finding out about it well, there's probably a, a, a sinister twist to that story. I mean, probably by, not, by yes. not recognizing them. It affects that, how much money they get exactly. and other things. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I mean, I, I was recently um, made aware of the uh, Osheji uh, tri tribe down in Oklahoma. Right. Actually, actually uh, uh, Martin Scorsese is just finishing up a film based on the book called uh, something, The Flowers of Evil. It's it's about um, the Osheji tribe. Is it a documentary? Or no, it, well, it's, 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 it's based on a true story. Right. And it happened back But in, it's a feature. Yes. Yeah. And He's it, a fantastic film director. Really it, incredible. And it's, uh, I think Leonardo DiCaprio is in it. He stars right. in it. And he plays a um, an FBI agent. <clears throat> this is based on a true story. But to make a long story short, you know, it was this tribe that had been given this crappy piece of land in the middle of Oklahoma, have <laughs> some land. Turns out it had, like, the world's largest deposit of oil at the time. <laughs> and, of course, and, of course, once that came out, everybody wanted to have a piece of it. And, right. You know, so I can imagine, you know, not wanting to grant, grant a tribe its tri tribal recognition, you know. They got... Because it'd be all that... Financial. I think the Native Americans got the most raw deal of anybody in this country, I think, because they were here first and they owned everything and they were, it was total genocide. And Well, my, my friend Teokasen, who does the show before mine, First Voices, he, he refer, refers to America as Turtle Island. That's what the Lakota call it. And basically we're, we the uh, Washichu, we're just visitors in this Turtle Island. We're the white guys. It's temporary. These names that we've called, things, even the Catskills, that's a temporary name. Right, right. Yeah, something that we stuck on there. So, um, why don't we play a, at least one more piece of music before you have to go and 
eight minutes. How about, uh, what do you think? Twist and shout? I don't know. Uh, there's so much. I gave you so, there's so many on the list. Uh, I'll, what do you, what do you, I'll, I'll read off. Uh, well, no, no. What do you, what do you pick one? You pick one. I don't know. Jesus, hard for you me. You pick one. I, I, I mean, everybody knows Twitch and, Twist and Shout. Yeah. I just picked that because it was like the theme of the movie, you know, when they sang it at the end, you know. Yeah. Well, you know what? I'm going to pick, I'm going to pick Whispering Pines by the band. Oh, that's a very ethereal, very ethereal feeling to it. Yes. Same as we are in. Otherworldly. So, do you want to intro the song? I mean, well, this song—I uh, don't know what the significance is. I mean, I don't know what the song is about, but I always thought it was a very otherworldly or ethereal feeling when I played it. Uh, didn't? Do you feel that way about the song too? It's kind of an otherworldly. Well, I, to be honest with you, uh, Richard Manuel, who sings the lead vocal, was probably one of the most ethereal singers I've ever heard. You know, like incredible. His, his, yeah. Something about his vocal presence, right? It's just you know, it's like okay, that's coming from somewhere otherworldly, and he's there. he's the lead vocal in the track. Yeah, I believe it's it's Richard Manuel singing this song. So yeah, Whispering Pines, the band.
Spring Pines, the band, Richard Manuel, singing lead vocals and playing the piano, and I'm pretty sure that was Levon Helm singing background vocals. Wow. Yeah, Richard Manuel. Just, uh, That's a great track, isn't it? Just a incredible singer. So, Lowell, thank you so much for coming in. Oh, sure. I really have enjoyed our time, and uh, it's been great talking about these various things with you, and I hope the audience feels the same way. Thank you very much for having me. Um, maybe we'll go out with one, one more track from your, your list. I thought maybe we'd send you off with my darling New Orleans Yes, by Little Queenie and Lil Lil Queenie and the Percolators. Do you remember them? No, that I, I that don't. that uh, list of credits on that song is about half a dozen people, and a couple of the people you worked with, a couple of the Neville brothers, are listed as uh, writing that song along with half a dozen other people. But she did it when she was very young; she was a teenager or twenty or something like that, and they used to play every weekend right down the street from where I lived in New Orleans huh. at a place called the Dream Palace in 1978. And you know who was on the bill with them is a band who I think is still in existence, the Radiators. Oh, yeah, sure. Used to play with them every weekend, Little Queenie and the Percolators and the Radiators. It, it's, you know, it's it's kind of a tradition down in New Orleans. To, to I, I wrote a song with, with um, Art Neville that went on one of the records I was working on. And, and when we got the... Uh, you know the, the the publishing company reached out to me. You know, like for the publishing arrangements for the song because I had co-written it with Art Neville. And uh, when I got the sheet, I noticed there was about twelve other people's. <laughs> right, right. I, I, as far as I remember, I, the only two people in the room were myself and Art Neville. But there right, was like his right. daughter and his right. and his brother and his mom and his cousin. But did you know about this recording, my darling, New Orleans? No, and we're going to listen it, to it. it. Uh, I think she may still be alive or just recently died. Uh, but she's, I guess, she was so young. I was 21, and she was like 20 or something like that, and around the same age as me, and they used to play there every weekend, and it was fabulous. Well, we'll listen to that as we say goodbye. So you've been listening to my interview here with Lowell Handler. And if you're interested in learning more about Lowell and his work, please visit his website, lowellhandler.com. It's a great website. It's got uh, all of his photography, photo stories, videos, books, and his, of course, his biography. Thanks, Lowell. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming in. Force. That's the beat. The force is through the carnival street, drives the people. Cathedral steeple over the square's iron gates. Coffee and plates of French market, barking up and down, bourbon disturbing, lip licking lookers, lounge and lang, crane and crank antennas, fast broadcast, hit and rumble, forget slumber, you under. Voodoo. Voodoo. You do, baby blue. You hook, cook, been booked. Southern sown, half homegrown, about to raise my own full-blown head of steam. Whistle, scream, scream, reach, while smiley son and me be fun and caboose. Watch out to loose, got the juice. The saintly Peter heater, to can-can up St. Anne, to where the antique 
street and spoil in Royal Street windows. Swing low, Decatur alligator. Hasta la casa, strung out like a pasta. Look at a pasty face and miss me, maybe. Give me a squeeze. She draws already rolled down around your knees. Tongue teased. Gotta play a gruff. Ain't had enough. So we go and strut our stuff. Promenade down Esplanade. We stayed. Got laid. Laid and lied. Poor crucified hide the French Quarter martyr. Man Dauphine. Never seen such. For Sunday, Sunday. second for a station ID. We'll be right back with hour two of The Long Way Around. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. 
From our studio in Midtown, this is Radio Kingston, WKNY, AM 1490, FM 1079, Kingston, New York. Well, hey there, Malcolm Byrne, sitting in the chair here at Radio Kingston, hour two of the long way round. I am, if you were listening, I uh, hope you enjoyed that interview with uh, Lowell Handler. And uh, as I said before, I urge you to um, check out his work online. He's got some amazing photography and film and writings. Uh, brilliant mind. Um, and a hell of a nice guy. So for the second hour, I figured maybe I'd just uh, play some music. And I, I figured, you know, in the spirit of what we uh, kind of started off here, I'll go back and circle back and play a little bit more of um, James Booker. This is the piece of music I was talking about when, when Lowell was here. The uh, classical, it's called Blues Menuet, and it's 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 just phenomenal. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> See what you think.
listening to Ernie K. Doe. Here come the girls. Gonna go take a little bit of a break. Be right back at you. Hi, I'm Minya DeJanet from Kingston City Land Bank. We're making it possible for you to own an affordable home in Kingston. Our newly renovated, beautiful, and affordable home at 149 Greenkill Avenue is for sale. It's a three-bedroom, one-bath home and features a new kitchen, bathroom, and large private backyard. If you're interested in applying, please visit our website to learn more about family size and income requirements, as well as assistance programs. Also, please visit our Facebook and Instagram pages to see photos and learn more about the properties. The application period is closing on June 15th. For more information, visit kclb.org homes. Radio Kingston. Many voices. Muchas voces. Many voices. One community. I'm Sharif Abdul-Salam, the host of TransArt Presents Jazz in the Valley. This weekly program educates, entertains, and celebrates the original American art form commonly known as jazz. We explore jazz from its African roots, through its history. We look at the jazz scene of today and beyond. This program is not just for the hardcore jazz fan, but also people who are just discovering jazz especially young people who can get a new appreciation of what jazz is, ensuring that the great jazz tradition will continue well into the future. That's TransArt Presents Jazz in the Valley, Wednesday nights from 7 to 9 on Radio Kingston, 1490 AM, 107.9 FM. Or you can listen anytime on our archive at RadioKingston.org. And remember, it don't mean a thing if it ain't got that swing. Uh-huh. Well, let's see. What do we have on the playlist? Here's a track I I was actually wanting to play a couple of weeks ago on one of my previous shows, and I didn't get around to it. Or actually, no, I I did play it, but I played the. That's right. It was last week, and I played the I played the um, Sam Cooke version of the song "Change Is Gonna Come." But see, uh, seeing as I'm sort of picking up on a kind of New Orleans theme, I thought I'd uh, promote uh, this other version of the song which i actually was involved in recording for the um with the neville brothers from the album yellow moon this is a beautiful version uh sung by none other than aaron neville change is gonna come i was born by the river in a little tent just like the river I've been running ever since. Oh, it's been a long, long time coming, but I know change gonna come. Oh, when I go oh, 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 to my 
Thank you. 
that woman to heaven sent I'll be guilty I don't need no bail Lock me up forever in forever loving jail I'll be guilty If it was a sin You just give me half a chance I'll do it all again And I'll be guilty This is Chris Wells. I'm the host of The Art Life. Every Monday night from 10 to midnight, The Art Life explores the life of the artist, the twists and turns, unlikely outcomes and challenges of living a creative life. Courage is something that comes from the darkness. I took an acting class and I, I fell in love with the idea that there was something you could do with your life where you tell the truth from yourself. Mm. And celebrates the remarkable art and artist that make our lives more meaningful. But I was interested in why things sound the way they, mm. you know, why they feel that way. Yeah, I love canvases that squirm. I'm like, <laughs> what? what? What was I supposed to make out of that one, you know? And even the occasional dance party. It's The Art Life with Chris Wells, 10 p.m. to midnight, every Monday night here on Radio Kingston, AM 1490, FM 107.9, and anytime at RadioKingston.org. Hi, I'm Emily Flynn from Bike Friendly Kingston. We're happy to announce monthly slow rides this summer. Slow rides are guided group rides meant for all abilities done at a slow pace. They're a great way to explore Kingston neighborhoods and gain confidence riding a bicycle. We're riding together on the first Thursday of every month at 6 p.m. through October. They start at the parking lot at the YMCA of Kingston and Ulster at 507 Broadway. When you ride with us, you should wear a helmet, have front and rear lights, bring water, and wear comfortable clothing. Route links vary from 5 to 20 miles and are hosted by different bicycle leaders. Bike-friendly Kingston Slow Rides, first Thursdays at 6 p.m. at the YMCA. For more information, including cancellations and updates, check out Bike Friendly Kingston's events on Facebook. Hey, well, we're going into the last uh, 22 minutes of the show. And uh, thanks, Lowell, for Lowell Handler, for coming in. And you inspired me. Uh, kind of went on a tangent here for the second half of the show, just um, delving back into some New Orleans music. Oh, it would be hard to play New Orleans music without playing probably one of the greatest singers ever, Mahalia Jackson. This is Mahalia Jackson with Trouble of the World.
I'm all by myself. No one to walk with, and I am happy on the shelf. It must be heaven. I'm saving all my love for you. I know for certain the one that I love, but I'm through with Platon. It's you that I'm thinking of. It must be heaven. I'm saving all my love for you. Always waiting for my little baby. Don't say it out late. I don't care to go. I'm on my body. I'm here on the radio, a radio, a radio, a radio, television. Goodly puzzle, readly boat, readly boat, idly beat, readly beat, readly beat. And on the way down yonder in New Orleans, there's a land of dreamer dreams. I got an evening, 
flashing eyes. Softly whispers and tender sighs. Stop, 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 don't trip on so blouses.
Sometime. Thank you for listening to The Long Way Round. It's always a fun time to bring you some music. Stay tuned next week. A special guest's initials, RW, will be joining me for some interesting conversation and music. And in the meantime, if the good Lord's willing and the creek don't rise, be well. Stay tuned for Shiro's coming up right after this. Yeah.